Hi, so we're continuing our series called Foundations here at uh, Grace City Church, Ottawa. And we're working our way line uh, by line through uh, an ancient statement of faith called the Apostles' Creed. And it's a very short, succinct summary of the most important doctrines and beliefs in the Christian faith. So we call it Foundations because th- these, are, these are the truths that we we build upon, that we believe in, that we base our lives upon. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's not the Bible itself, but it is taking truth that we find in the Bible. So each week we're going back to the Bible to open up the truths that are shown uh, in this statement of faith called the Apostles' Creed. And today we've got to, uh, to a line, in fact two lines, about Jesus again, where it says, He ascended into heaven. That's Jesus ascended into heaven he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And last week we, we looked at the resurrection uh, and, the, uh, and now the story has moved on. We're some 40 days later and we're going to read from Acts chapter 1 that kind of summarizes a bit of what's been happening. We're going to read through verse 1 to verse 11 and then we'll talk about the ascension and why it's important and why... I think it's in the Apostles' Creed. So Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. This is Luke writing, the same Luke that, that wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke. He's now writing the, his second book, the Acts of the Apostles. So he says, in the first book, that's his Gospel, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, "Uh, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when they had heard these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So this is recorded, it's also recorded at the end of Luke's Gospel. It's recorded here at the beginning of the book of Acts. And we don't tend to mention it a lot. We tend to talk much more about the birth of Jesus, different aspects of the life of Jesus, the sufferings of Jesus, the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, we don't talk so often about the ascension of Jesus. 
But it must be important, it must be foundational because we find it in the Apostles' Creed. And as I said before, there's many things that aren't included in the Apostles' Creed. But the ascension of Jesus is. So let's, it's important that we look at it this morning and consider it. So I, I, I want to do two things really. The first thing I want to talk about is the importance of the ascension. Why is it, is it, why is it important? And secondly, I, I want to look at an impact in our lives and then go on to look at this second line of the creed. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And what does that mean for us? So why is the ascension important? You see... Uh, I, I think it fulfills Jesus' birth, uh, life, death, resurrection. Uh, it, it takes what he was and did and releases it into our lives. And let me explain what I mean by that. It's, it's a very profound moment that's happening here that has huge impact and implications for us. So the body of Jesus, we can see from Scripture, is definitely a physical body uh, as he ascends into heaven. Uh, but the thing, the thing I think is this, while he was on earth, you had to go to physically touch him, to be with him, uh, to sense his power, I think. That's pretty clear. I mean, many, many people were healed, came under the power of Jesus, but almost in all instances that I can find, there are one or two where maybe he heals someone that's 30 kilometres away or something by a word, but generally, you had to go to him, you had to be near him, you had to touch him, or he had to lay hands on you or speak words of power over you, of healing, for you to really feel the effects of who he was. Uh, but this changes at this point. I think he now begins to rule and reign in a universal, uh, cosmic way, if you, if you like, in a sense that he, he, he couldn't do... Uh, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't reign in the way that he does, now he ascends. There's a sense in which there's a mystery involved here, that Jesus is always fully God and always fully man. But it seems to me to, to, that people had to press in physically to find Jesus while he was on the earth, uh, fulfilling his ministry. There's a sense in which he now ascends back to his Father in heaven. And, and what does that mean for us? Why is it important? In, the, uh, in Luke 24, verse 52, at the end of the Gospel of Luke, it says that the apostles, there's a different account there of the ascension, it says that the apostles looking on, it says they were filled with great joy. So there's something exciting happening here. This is, this is an amazing moment. It says they worshipped him, they were praising, they were filled with great joy. They must have understood something sig very significant was happening here. And, and I think what's happening here, Jesus somehow is getting taken up uh, and throwing off this sense of you, you had to be near him. Because I think now he is the ascended shepherd. He's the, he's the ascended mediator. He's the ascended king. So these things, he was these things on earth. But in a sense now, this, this great shepherd... Jesus has now ascended and he's the ascended risen shepherd. He's the ascended king. He's the ascended mediator and he can apply the benefits of who he is and what he did everywhere in a universal way. It's interesting. In John chapter 20, we see a conversation between Mary Magdalene and Jesus as she goes to the tomb uh, thinking he's dead, it's all over. 
he appears to her in the garden by the tomb and she thinks he's the gardener. It's, a, it's, it's quite an amusing, if you go and read it, John chapter 20, uh, I'm, it's specifically in verse 17, there's, a, there's, a, there's an interaction between them that's quite amusing. She thinks he's the gardener. And then he reveals himself and, and calls her Mary and she realizes who he is. And, and there's a sense in which she says, no, Mary, don't hold on to me. I must go and ascend to my father in heaven and your father. Jesus is saying, no, it's better for you that I ascend to the Father, because when I ascend to the Father, there's a sense in which they'll never be able to take you away from me. Even though I'm physically ascending, prison bars, there's nothing. There's no Roman guards. There's nothing anymore that will separate us. It's a strange thing to say. You think, Jesus, no, you're going, Jesus. Yeah, there's a sense in which he is ascending to the Father, but he's, now, he's going to be universally with us always. And he's saying to Mary, this is better that I ascend. It's better for you. You see, we, it's important for us. It's important for us as a church in a, in a city like Ottawa today that actually we, we, we realize that the ascension of Jesus, it, it, it's not the absence of Jesus, the, the absence of, of, of Christ. It's not his absence, but his heightened presence. This is, what, this is what's significant about it. As we try and live our lives in a city, as a church in a city like Ottawa, as you do that, I, it's important to realize the ascension, it's not the departure of Christ. I believe it's the heightened presence of Christ everywhere. Okay, he is the ascended king. He, he ascends to be with his father, but he goes to a place where he can fill all things. He becomes the king who reigns in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He is now powerfully present with his people, not just in one place, but everywhere. He's with you today. I often think, if you're like me, I, I look at some of the parables in the New Testament, some of the, some of the stories of Jesus, I, 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 some of the things he did, I, th I can think, oh, I wish I was there. I wish I was with Jesus. It would be amazing. It'd be amazing to be there. Uh, often, one of the stories I'd love to have been in was the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, thousands are gathered. It's, it says 5,000 men. It's probably uh, 5,000 women as well and children on top. There could have been men, women and children. There could have been 15,000 gathered in the countryside listening to Jesus teach. And the disciples are getting concerned because they're thinking, it's getting late, Jesus. And, and we've got to feed these people. How are they going to eat? Send them away. And Jesus turns it back on his disciples and says, well, well uh, no, you provide for them. And they go, uh, Jesus, what, do you want us? It's going to cost a fortune. We, we're going to have to spend a lot of money to get food for these people. And uh, Jesus goes, well, what have you got then? And they kind of have a look around and they come up with these five loaves and these two fish. And Jesus says, okay. And, and it says, Jesus blesses these five loaves and two fish. And, and if you're the disciples, it, they must have been thinking, what is going on here? And then Jesus, they, they must be thinking, well, Jesus, okay, it's down to you, Jesus. You, you, you're praying over this. You've said, just gather what we've got. And what are you going to do with this? But what does Jesus do? It's interesting. Jesus isn't the one who gives it out. Jesus then says, he, he prays over it and then gives it to his, he gives the loaves and fishes to his disciples and says, 
Well, go on then, feed them. And we just read that. It rolls off our lips very quickly. Can you imagine what, if you're a disciple there with thousands, men, women and children, hungry. It's getting late in the day. It's getting dark maybe soon. Uh, what, what? We can't feed them with this. And Jesus said, well, you feed them. You see, I think there are many things to draw out of the feeding of the 5,000. But I think one of them is this. that It's like a foreshadow. It's like a... It's, it's, it's like the kingdom that's breaking in. Jesus is saying, it, 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 and when they give this out, so the disciples go and give this out, and it feeds everyone, and there's 12, 11, 12 baskets left over of bits. It's like there's almost more than they started with. And it's like, that's, that's an example of what Jesus does through us. It's a, he's saying to his disciples, you go and feed them, and it'll never run out. And that's the ascended Christ says it to us today. He says, you can spiritually feed people and it will never run out. It's a picture of the kingdom of God that's breaking in. And maybe today you're thinking, life's just tough right now. I can barely survive. This is just, this this season is hard. And God says, no, no, Jesus has ascended to the throne. He's powerfully with you. As you spiritually feed people, the food will never run out. As you seek to pray for people, as you seek to bless them, as you write to them, as you phone them, as you have conversations, you pray for people. Spiritual food that comes through you from heaven, it'll never run out. There'll always be more for you. You give out, there'll be more. It doesn't come to an end. Even in this tough season, because Jesus has ascended to the Father, and his kingdom is breaking out everywhere, and his promise is that I'll be with you even to the end of the age. So his ascension ushers in the kingdom, and the Holy Spirit gets sent. This is powerful for us. It says, it says Isaiah 9, chapter 9, verse 7, of the increase of his government, it's prophesied about Jesus, there'll be no end of his government and peace. There's no end coming. Jesus gets to rule over all things now for his body, the church. And it's easy to get cynical today about politicians, about false promises, people that let you down. But Jesus is different. He's taken up power on our behalf for us. He's doing it for us to serve us. This is the King Jesus who's ascended. This is why the ascension is important. Because he's now, his presence is everywhere. What about the effects of the ascension today? Just look at one thing quickly. I, it comes out of the passage, witnesses for Jesus. It's interesting. So the disciples are saying in Acts 1 verse 6, it says, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So the disciples are asking a question I haven't really understood fully. It's like they still don't quite understand. Jesus, are you coming now to restore the kingdom? What's happening? And, and that can, we, we can think a little bit like that. What does it mean? So I become a Christian, but what, you want me to, to take the kingdom to people? Yes, it's what Jesus is saying. He, he's, 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 he's risen so the Holy Spirit can be poured out. And we're going to look at this much more in a few weeks' time when we talk about the Holy Spirit. It says, verse 8, in this, Acts 1, verse 8, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. 
Jesus ascends so the Holy Spirit can be poured out on us for power to be his witnesses. So I haven't got enough, I can't do it. Well, you're right, but the Holy Spirit comes on you and you can. You can do much more than you think you can with the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. So You see, John chapter 14, verse 12, uh, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, uh, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. Why? Why, why are we going to better do greater works? Because I am going to the Father. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Because I go to the Father, because I ascend to be with the Father, you're going to be able to do greater things. Because, because I'm ascending, the Holy Spirit's going to get poured out and you're going to do greater things. There's a greater outbreak of the kingdom of God because I'm going to be in you. It's, a, it's an amazing promise. And, and, and we can find in this season it's like tough but we must hold on to things like this, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Jesus is risen and ascended. He's not, he's not held in by coronavirus. His kingdom is breaking out everywhere. From the throne of God, now seated at the right hand of the Father, he gets to send the powerful third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. He goes to the Father and sends the Holy Spirit. He's in our lives right now, today, as we watch and listen to this, as we're together in these moments. The ascended Christ is with us and the poured out Holy Spirit is within us in these moments. In Luke 7, 28, Jesus says this, he says, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. He's talking about John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So the one who is least in the kingdom of God, that's you and me. If you've accepted Jesus into your life, made him your saviour, you're now in the kingdom of God, as what's been talked about here by, by Jesus in, in, in Luke 7, 28. He says, John is the greatest prophet, but the one who's least in the kingdom is greater than John. You think, what is he? I think he's talking about position. He's not talking about our character necessarily or... Oh, the work that we do, he's saying your position in Christ is greater than the greatest prophet because you're now in Jesus and you're revealing the ministry and person of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is now living within you. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. You get to witness about Jesus. The Bible says that, that even though Jesus has ascended, we are his hands and feet. Wow, that's an amazing thing. Let's, let's let, let that sink in today. Jesus has ascended, but he's with us. And the Bible says we are now his hands and feet. We represent Christ in the city of Ottawa. He sent the Holy Spirit. Let's just look at this before we finish. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. See, Jesus is your advocate. He is the great ascended high priest on your behalf. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12 says, But when Christ has offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, 
he sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down at the right hand of God. Why is that significant? Because in the verses just before this, it says the priests who offered sacrifice in the Old Testament would get up each day, offer the sacrifices, stop, sit down again. The next morning, get up again, offer the sacrifices, sit down again. The next day, they'd have to get up again. The Bible says that Jesus has made one sacrifice for all, for all time. It's finished. So because it's finished and he's made one sacrifice that is enough for all the sins of the world, he goes to sit back down at the right hand of the Father. It signifies a finished work. Jesus has finished it. He sat down at the right hand of God. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. The creed says he is seated at the right hand of the Father. It's significant for us. Jesus wants to serve us. He wants to make provision. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands. That kind of means the temples that we build. Christ hasn't entered into temples that we build which are copies of the real true things, but into heaven itself. Christ has entered into heaven itself. Why? Now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. This is an amazing verse. Christ has entered into heaven in the presence of God uh, on our behalf for us. He's ascended. He sat down at the right hand of the Father for us. He is in the presence of God to stand on our behalf. He is your advocate. See, what does it matter? What Really, when you consider this, what other people think of me, is it so important when Jesus is representing me before the Father and he loves me and he's for me? He, he's gone into heaven on our behalf. The ascended perfect priest is representing you. Jesus is even praying for you. Hebrews 7, 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is even praying for you. He, he always lives to make intercession for you. Always. Always. You'll never be abandoned. You'll never be left. Jesus says, no, I, I've ascended. I've sat down at the right hand of the Father, but I'm with you to the end of the age. I'm with you. You'll never be abandoned. You'll never be left by me. You may have been abandoned. You may have, that may have happened to you in your life. You may have had relationships that have ended. Suddenly, you may have felt a sense of abandonment. Jesus says, I'll always live to make intercession for you. I'll always be praying for you. I'll never leave you. You are raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Jesus has ascended for you. He will never leave you. He is your representative. He sat down at the right hand of the Father to always pray for you and intercede for you and represent you. These are amazing things. This is so foundational for us as Christians. Must understand it. We so often strive for approval. Who will like me? Can I get this person to like me? If I just do this, and Jesus says, no, no, you, you are accepted. 
you're loved. I'm ever living to pray for you. I'm representing you. You're hidden in me. He will never leave you and he'll always rule over things for your good. And sometimes life is very mysterious. I know that it's been a very mysterious year for me, very painful year in many ways. And there have been moments when I thought, God, where are you? Where are you? This feels painful. This doesn't feel right. And I just look through my Bible and I find people confused. But what I see is always that God is overruling in circumstances. There's, it's interesting, there's a city called Dothan in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And in, in Genesis chapter 37, you find that Joseph gets sold into slavery. He gets put in a basket by his brothers uh, uh, and sent away. And there must be a sense in which he's, there must be a sense in which he's put, he must be crying out to God to rescue him. It's like, God, what is happening to me here? This can't be right. I'm getting put into this prison and I'm getting taken away to be sold into slavery. God, rescue me. But God doesn't answer in that moment. And we know how the story of Joseph works out, but he doesn't in the moment. He does the city of Dothan. That's what it says. That's where he went to find his brothers. And then you find in 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, a prophet called Elisha is there with a servant and he's surrounded by enemies. And he prays and he sees the armies of God, like angels, encamped around him. And he gets extraordinary deliverance in the same city called Dothan. And so you get Joseph sold into slavery with no answer, just like darkness. What is happening to me? And you get the prophet Elijah, who has the armies of God around him. And you think, what's happening? The same place. God, where are you? You, you don't answer and then you do answer. Miraculous provision and silence, nothing. But you get to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, and you get Joseph much later in his life saying to his brothers, what you intended for harm, God intended for good. And maybe some of you, you're in very confusing circumstances right now, mysterious. What is, it doesn't seem right. And God says, no, I'm caring for you. It's okay. I, I, the good things will come in the end. Good will come out of this. I am ruling over all things. I am the ascended Christ. I'm ruling over things for your good. Even though sometimes it may not feel like it. I am still ruling for your good. See, I want you to understand that Jesus ever lives to pray for you, to intercede for you before the Father, to represent you. He's doing amazing things right now. He's ascended. His rule has broken out across the universe. Now he's with us. We are his hands and feet today. We have spiritual provision that will never run out. And we have this one who is representing us perfectly before the Father. He sat down because he's finished the work that he came to do at the cross. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this word today. We pray that you take it, apply it into our lives. Pray for a heightened sense of the presence of Jesus amongst us. The Holy Spirit at work in our lives. That Jesus, you've sat down at the right hand of the Father. You've finished what you came to do. 
and you're now ever living to pray and intercede for us. God, we thank you for these amazing things. Help us to live in the good of them for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to sing together.